Chapter Tactics. This is your Warhammer 40k podcast that focuses on playing Warhammer 40k competitively at all levels of the game. And actually, before we get introductions and all that, I want to circle back around to that. The all levels of the game. You see, after over 300 hours of Chapter Tactics podcast recordings, we have covered every level of it but one. And so to commemorate this special episode number 200, I brought on three specialists to talk about that level that we haven't talked about. And that is, of course, the industry level, the professional, real professional level of the hobby. So, introducing these three titans of Warhammer industry is going to be me, Petey Pom. And to throw a little extra spice in there, I decided to give us all a designated super faction of Warhammer 40k. So, representing the tricky, thin, pointy-eared Eldar is our very own charismatic Archon, Skari. I will be wearing your face on my face soon. Beautiful. And then uh, I found this guy floating around in the Great Rift somewhere in space, uh, and so he decided to take time away from his busy schedule orchestrating raids on planet Twitch and polishing the skulls on his Shrine of Chaos. I brought on Dave from Mini Wargaming. <laughs> I, I still can't get over the wearing of the face. Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> That's oh. right. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> terrified. And then finally, oh, oh I guess not finally, uh, we have a, a real-life Katachan on here. Uh, and so I'd like to introduce, in all his sub-200-pound oily muscle glory, Reese, representing the Imperium. Be the smallest and weediest Katachan <laughs> of all. But if I'm still alive, I had something going for me. Uh, and- <laughs> and then finally, representing the Xenos faction, the afterthought, me, PD Pop. Hi, I'm here. Uh, all right, moving on. So this episode you are is... also a value, Pablo. Oh, I, I was, you know, GW Xenos faction after the salty, salty warmer listeners definitely got that joke. I hope. <laughs> Anyways, let's talk about the episode. So uh, I, we've had 200 episodes of this podcast, and I realized that. I never really answered the question that a lot of people asked, which was, how do you turn Warhammer 40k, Warhammer, my hobby, uh, into a real-life profession? It's something that, as a a nerdy gamer growing up, something that I always wanted to do, right? I always kind of revered the uh, professional gamers who played, like, StarCraft or uh, the, the, for I imagine a lot of you, streamers, uh, book writers, all the people who who turned Warhammer into a profession or, or any of their hobbies and interests into a profession. That was something I always wanted to do. And I and the three of us are some of the lucky few people who were able to successfully do that. And so that is what we're going to be talking about. We're going to be talking about what we did to turn Warhammer into a full-time job. We'll talk a little bit about uh, how we started, what were some of the pros and cons and, you you know, challenges that we had to face uh, as content creators and as uh, industry professionals. Um, and then we're going to talk about uh, what it takes to turn Warhammer into a full-time job. What are some pitfall limitations that you would expect to make it into in the Warhammer world? Uh, and then we're going to talk about some jobs that you might be interested in, entry-level jobs, uh, jobs that you can, careers that you can pursue, and all that good stuff. It should be a very fun, informative episode, uh, and I absolutely have been looking forward to recording it. But before we jump into that, of course, we have some quick announcements. The Atlantic City Open is right around the corner it is going to be coming in june and we have single digit tickets left so by the time you are listening to this pause it right now run over to the atlantic city open and buy your warmer 40k tickets 
We also have other tickets as well, too. All the events, I believe, at over half capacity, right, Reese? Yes. Uh, so you do not want to wait for the the uh, Atlantic City Open. It should uh, look to be a super major, should be the first super major of the new ITC season, and it's going to be a lot of fun. Also, wanted to give a special shout out to the patrons. You've been supporting me, and actually everyone who's been listening to this podcast for all 200 episodes. I know some of you exist. Uh, I apologize for uh, giving you 200 episodes of slightly above average 40k content, but I promise that you will get another 200 episodes of even more slightly above average 40k content if you continue listening to Chapter Tactics. So thank you all, amazing listeners and patrons. You guys are all the best, and gals, you're all the best. All right, let's go ahead and uh, jump right into it. First topic, how did you find out you were going to turn Warhammer into a profession? And we're going to start with uh, Mini Wargaming Dave. So uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about, um, you know, like uh, what you do, uh, introduce yourself to people who maybe haven't heard of you yet, uh, and also uh, what what does your job look like um, in, in Warhammer? Okay, all right. So I um, guess we're going to jump right in here. So first off, when you said at the very beginning that this is the competitive podcast, I thought, what the heck am I doing here? I'm not a competitive player at all, but the topic and the whole thing about the whole episode, the idea, that makes sense because I do Warhammer as a living, so now I understand. It get, I get that. So I am a casual player. I'm a narrative player. So 13 years ago, we're going to go back to the beginning. 13 years ago, I played this tabletop game lord of the rings made by games workshop i played it one time and matt uh, glanfield who's my business partner now we played this game together he called me up he's like dave you want to play lord of the rings sure what's lord of the rings oh it's a miniatures game okay we grew up playing risk together we're good friends growing up and after that first time of playing um i was doing landscaping at the time and i i thought well I don't want to be doing landscaping because I don't want to have arthritis when I get older because my dad has arthritis. Uh, I want to do something different. Matt, you want to do business? Sure. Do you want to sell miniatures online? Okay, let's do it. It was very like, I was in my early 20s and uh, we really, to be absolutely honest, had no idea what we were doing. Uh, Matt had a better idea because he was an internet marketer, but like, an online e-commerce store selling miniatures, that was brand new to both of us. So that's where we started. Uh, we look nothing like that today. We don't sell miniatures anymore. We are 100% content creation with a subscription model business, like whatever subscription that you can think of, that's our business model now, we produce content. Uh, but we started that over a decade ago when it wasn't such a widely known and common thing it was th this was before netflix this was before uh the, the things that you think about when it comes to that and so yeah that's how we that's how we started it was three years of uh grinding not paying ourselves at the very beginning when actually when youtube was a very new thing this is almost 14 years ago now so youtube was just this thing that kids went on to kind of make goofy videos and this is before advertisers were taking it super seriously nowadays everyone's on youtube uh so we kind of grew with youtube and with the community growing online all at the same time uh, and we were definitely there at the beginning of 
um, that growth along with the the digital acceptance of media and online consumption of media like this is before binge binge watching stuff was common right this is before all of that was was a thing uh, like our first product that we made wasn't video battery ports uh, our first digital product was a terrain cd with articles on it <laughs> that sounds so weird now man it just, like ages us so much like that's the first thing we sold that those were the first people that signed up to the mini wargaming vault which is our subscription-based business that's what sustains us that's what supports us and uh, we just went from there we went to uh, we started experimenting with terrain tutorials and painting tutorials on dvd uh when we made that jump that was a huge deal it's like hey we're making making dvds now that's uh, pretty sweet and then we just delved into battery reports after that yeah so uh, that's actually a very common theme i've, I've seen in uh in you know the people who've started warhammer and turned it into a job right uh reese and a spoiler alert here i'm taking some reese's thunder um reese and frankie when i asked them kind of a similar question when i first met them it was kind of the same thing like they didn't want to they didn't want full-time you know regular boring jobs right like uh, a lot of us we have jobs that we we don't like uh you know or we don't want to do or we don't see you know that ourselves doing in a few years you know you mentioned that you guys hadn't paid yourselves in three years it's definitely a grind it's your you know jumping into warhammer especially at the time that you did was absolutely you know your own business like a startup business in a space that wasn't you know, established yet which is a very risky thing to do and so you do have to grind and, and you do have to cut your teeth um in you know doing that now there you know we have obviously we have pioneers like mini wargaming and tabletop tactics and tabletop titans and frontline gaming who have done it and so starting to a new listener starting off uh, you have resources to learn from um but you know when you and frontline gaming started it was just kind of like the wild west mm -hmm. yeah definitely it was it definitely felt like hey there's open field put a stake in and then start building stuff so to segue into Reese, um, who I think had a very similar experience. Reese, why don't you tell us a little bit about uh, Frontline Gaming and how it, it did kind of evolve in a similar way from Mini War to Mini Warming, but obviously, you know, you both took completely different directions, uh, but succeeded either way. Um, so why don't you tell us a little bit about your kind of plunge into Warhammer, making it a profession? So uh, we actually took inspiration from Mini Wargaming. Um, so thank you, Dave. And awesome. Yeah, because you guys were making content in the, the beginning, like you said, like the beginning, um, you were one of the first content creators and you had a big following and um, we saw that. And that's one of the reasons why we started making content, uh, video content as well. And our early YouTube content is hilariously bad, but, <laughs> but people really liked it because um, like Dave said, you guys, um, you guys love the game and you have a love for the game and the community and it shows. And we saw uh, an opportunity to fill a niche that wasn't really filled online. And so we started making YouTube content aimed at competitive content because there was barely any to none at the time. Um, and that allowed us to come in later and make honestly lower quality content because we were filling a niche, right? And uh, that's a really good tip to anybody out there that's thinking about trying to take the plunge. Is there, there's an expression in, in business, niches make riches, which I would agree with friend, that 100%. Yeah. 
Yeah. And like, if you're trying to get rich, don't, don't, don't go into this business. But if you can identify a niche, then it gives you room to come in and be an amateur and kind of like, like grow into it. Mm-hmm. And so that's what we did. And that was one of the ways we got the word out about our business. Cause we like our start, our origin story is really similar. Uh, Frankie and I, we were business partners on a previous venture that failed. And um, Frankie was working at UPS. I was unemployed. I had a little bit of money left. And basically I was like, well, I've got enough money to like barely, barely get us started. Let's open up a store. And um, Frankie and I worked for no money uh, for, he went two years and then I lived on like a, like about a thousand dollars a month for two years. Um, so it's really similar story. We were young. I was youngish and, um, it was just a grind and it's just like producing that content, staying passionate, being very frugal. And we built, we, we did it a little differently. It's like, we had a store, we had a paint service that we were painting the models while people were coming in the store and producing content every single day. It was very challenging, but it allowed us to like make a bigger impression than our company was. And it was hilarious when people would come and visit our store, they'd walk in and it was like the size of like, you know, my bathroom. And they're like, this is it? Like everybody <laughs> thought everybody thought we were a big company. We weren't, we still aren't. We've, we've grown tremendously since then, but really getting in there and putting yourself out there like that and doing it without expecting to make any money perhaps ever and just trying to make the best content and really just engage the community. That was, that was how we got the wheels turning with, uh, with frontline gaming and managed to be, to be profitable even in our first year with a 450 square foot store, which is like nothing. Yeah. And, and, you know, um, the, I kind of, the trend I'm hearing both is, is that starting early frontline gaming and newer gaming didn't actually have a lot of competition, uh, when you started, uh, obviously there were other, other, things that you had to do to to grow the business. Um, but Skari, uh, who is relatively new to turning Warhammer into profession, has actually had to deal with a lot of competition, right, in your field, right, Skari? Um, so why don't you tell us a little bit about what it's like to start uh, Warhammer now? As you, you know, you made the plunge just a few years ago, um, and you're, you're very su- successful, by the way, um, but you started in an age where there were a lot of content producers and a lot of content creators, especially in your niche, um, so what was that like jumping into it and, um, what do you do specifically now? Well, first of all, you're very kind. Secondly, it's been about a 10 year process, not like in terms of like creating content, you know, it started more as a hobby. I really liked, you know, the, the battle reports that like Reese and Frankie put out, which were really fast, really concise. And so I, I thought I could do it. And I just started putting like a bat rep up every once in a while. Really funny, you know, while, while we were getting ready to record the show, went to, to watch my first battle report I ever did, which was nine years ago. And it was like in like a dingy, bad lit basement with like cardboard terrain and like none of my miniatures were painted. And, you know, seeing that and seeing like how far it's come, it's really eye opening, you know, because uh, it was always just meant to be a way to express like my hobby and I never really saw it as a as an avenue of sort of providing for my family and and creating content as a career and then it started gaining traction I want to say about four years ago that's when I really started seeing a lot more like I guess the the 
the production content, the production level went up and people started getting more involved. And I've always been a very sort of like niche, right? As Reese was saying, like a niche, you know, within a niche. And and sort of getting typecasted as that like Dark Eldar, Eldari player, which has, in a sense, been one of the biggest benefits to me working in such a saturated market, right? Because of the fact that if you need to know something about Dark Eldar, you can reach out to Archon Skari, right? And that in that in it from like a, a content creation, it's fantastic because I love the faction, but it's like I'm a heart surgeon that specializes in a very specific type of heart surgery that requires like specific training. So like you might not have as many clients as like a general surgeon, but every client you have needs the very specific surgery that only you can do. So you're busy all the time. I I shudder at that example, just like a Drukhari Archon (laughs) talking about heart surgery and very specific clients. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, yes, Pablo. It was all yes. very non-descriptive and vague. Very ana- the analogy is complete. No. Um, so you know, his his like for the last so about ten like nine years ago, right when my son was born, you know, I, I went after my son was born, I went into like hard sales business, and it was like door to door, like you know, sales. It was like commission based. You know, it, it, it taught me a lot about resiliency and mentality and, and sort of like really kind of fending for myself and being out in the world, like hunting for your food, so, so to speak. Got to a point where it was sort of like sucking my soul out, which meant that I was at a, as a crossroads because I was at like a low point in my life about two years ago. The Patreon that I sort of like set up and that was like the way that had wasn't like profitable. It was just sort of paying for the hobby. So like it would allow me to kind of pay to go to events and film the events and stuff like that, right? So it wasn't anything crazy. And so I just was like, I talked to my wife and, 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 and I was like, I, I'm slowly losing my mind and I need to do something different with my life. Is it okay if I like just try it and put it out there that I want to do this full time? So basically within like a week, I'd shut down like my business, shut it like the, the sales sort of business and I put a statement out being like, I want to do this full time. If you want to, if you want to help me do something cool, like, you know, support me on Patreon. And like the amount of community support I got is still to this day, like very, very heartwarming and humbling. And I, I'm like still in disbelief that I get to play with war dollies for a living. <laughs> and I love it. Like I, I just, and I'm like, I'm busy all the time and I do a lot of work. And, you know, as an entrepreneur, like Reese and Dave would know we put in, like crazy amounts of hours it's just but it's I, I'm, I'm passionate about it and that's like best thing that i could hope for that is a really great point actually is um and i guess this is kind of top touching on a topic uh in the future for the show but just real quick like our our industry what we do is entirely audience-based right we're not producing a good that people need we're not you know selling people stuff we're, we're, we're literally uh in the entertainment industry and that's what we're tied to. GW produces everything and we kind of just entertain and everything that every job that I've seen in 40k has to do with that entertainment value. Whether you're a paint commission and you're painting stuff to entertain and creating art for someone or you're a content creator or even if you're selling stuff, uh, if you're like a frontline, uh, friendly local gaming store owner or store manager, you're, you're selling entertainment. You're, you're essentially, uh, competing for people's time. 
and uh, their money to entertain them, uh, which makes it a, a very kind of um, a volatile or a, you know risky industry to get into. Um, but uh, having said that, just real quick, how I got into it, which I think is very different than the three of you, um, I actually just kind of rode the coattails of uh, frontline gaming specifically. Um, it, I knew it was something that I would get, I could get into. Uh, I didn't have the the business know how to jump into it. And um, when I met Reese and Frankie, I knew it was something that I wanted to do. I wanted to help them. I wanted to be a part of the community in some way. And instead of starting something myself, like the three of you, uh, I did just, I basically just attached myself to Reese and Frankie. And then every time they needed help, uh, whether it was like a coffee or a back rub or, uh, you know, fulfilling an order <laughs> or <laughs> You, you laugh, but th- it is a real way to get into an industry. And that, that is good life advice in general. Um, if you want to get into something, that, that's basically what internships are, uh, is, is you're just the person there for when they have a job opening or they have an opportunity, you're the guy or, or, or gal. You're the person that uh, they see front and center who's shown that you're reliable, uh, you're nice, people like working with you or like being around you. Um, and that is something that you could do. Uh, Mini Wargaming, I know a lot of your crew, a lot of the content creators on your channel um, kind of kind of fulfilled that role, right? Like um, uh, some of my favorite, Jay from Mini Wargaming, um, he was a personality that I really liked. Um, I would have followed him, you know, endlessly if I wanted to, if I lived in like Canada and I wanted to join Mini Wargaming. Um, and that is kind of like, how you guys have grown. You guys have grown and gathered people like Steve and Quirk and other, you know, people who you really enjoyed creating content with. Uh, and so, you know, companies. Yeah. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And, you know, it's, I think there, there's, I love how you have gathered us and we have, we do different things. Uh, like we're content creators. Yes. But it's very different content from each other. Uh, which is neat. And that just shows the, di- the diversity that exists in our industry, which is awesome. There's even more that I, I believe that we're not even aware of yet. That this is gonna, it's going to crop up. And it's going to be like, man, that's a good idea. That, that's what I think. Every single time I see something new, it's like, man, that's a good idea. That is actually... Have you done this before, Dave? Because that is an amazing segue into our next part of the topic, uh, which is highlighting some of the other ways you can get into Warhammer and turn it into an industry. Um, <laughs> you, I think you have a lot of experience with this podcast stuff. Uh, definitely going to have to keep up, keep that up, man. I'm joking, by the way. He has, he has too- a podcast. <laughs> um, but uh, great segue. Um, what, what are some other jobs... Uh, and we're going to start with Reese this time. What are some jobs that you've seen, uh, not only that have risen up uh, in the industry, but what are some jobs that you think people could do that don't pertain to what we do, right? Um, so uh, jobs that you you either you see that uh, that you need to be fulfilled or niches that you need to, be fu- need to be fulfilled, or maybe jobs that aren't so glamorous, right? Because content 40K content creator is, is a great, amazing job title. That sounds like a dream job. But the reality is, is that 40k content creator isn't easy that there's a limited supply of them there's a lot of competition there and there are other ways to get into warhammer and turn it into a job other than being a 40k content creator uh so reese starting with you um because i think frontline gaming has those opportunities and has given people those opportunities um what are some other jobs that you've seen in the industry 
Yeah, I mean, to, to, to your original point, how you got into the industry, I just I wanted to touch on that really quick because that's that is the best way to get in. And uh, Frontline Gaming has taken on a number of interns, kids that are in college or straight out of college, or in some cases just right out of high school, and don't have any skill set, but they have enthusiasm and they have a good attitude and they're willing to work. And like companies like us, and I would imagine many wargaming is similar in, in other um, uh, companies, is that we have a policy, like we know why people want to work with us. It's like if you come in and you're willing to do the work, and sometimes the work sucks, but if you're willing to pay the pay your dues, so to speak, we'll put you on the path to be where you want to be. Um, and a lot of other companies could provide that that opening. So even if you have literally no skills that you're aware of, you could still like, earn your spot and develop and grow into it and just follow your passion without having like any, you know, spectacular ability. But if you're somebody that wants to be like a solopreneur or you, you kind of want to do your own thing or, or whatever, honestly, your imagination is the limit because a lot of the things that got us to where we were did not exist before we did it. And mini wargaming's exact same story, right? Like, I don't think anybody thought, you know, running events could be a semi-profession. It's like one part of our um, uh, of our company, but it's uh, become like a big part of our company. We have eight events now that we run all around the country. And we started doing that just because we enjoyed tournaments. And it was that simple. And as we got better at it and kept doing it and kept doing it and kept doing it, we saw like, oh, this can actually contribute. I, I don't know if you could live on it by itself, but it could contribute to an overall like career in gaming and really just your imagination is the limit. Like to Dave's point, there's so many ways to monetize your hobby and your passion. And like 90% of them probably haven't even been discovered yet. So don't, don't think just because somebody else hasn't done it, that it's not viable. And especially, you know, if, if you're in a position in life where you can take some risk, just go for it. Right. And like do it to the best of your ability and and show your passion and you know tr give it your best shot and just be a don't be don't have analysis paralysis like don't go into it thinking i have to be an expert before i do it all of us are figuring it out as we go right so trust your instincts and be creative and go for it and if not if you want to follow like a tried and true path like being a content creator study the best and just try to produce the best possible content put yourself out there and just go for it and don't expect to get rich. Just do it because you love it. And eventually, if um, you're producing good content, the money will come. It will come of its own, like Scary story. You just put yourself out there and then all of a sudden doors start opening. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I, I couldn't have said any of that better myself. One thing that you touched on, Reese, that I kind of want to expand on was the idea that there's uh, other jobs growing um, that we have yet to explore, right? And they come from attaching yourself to... Uh, uh, another company like Mini Wargaming or Frontline Gaming. Um, when I first met Dave, uh, I expected Dave, right? Which is, if you've ever met or, or seen a, a Mini Wargaming Dave video, you, you'll know what I mean by that. Like, I expected Dave, and I got him. Like, Dave's an amazing, energetic guy. But what I didn't expect to see was Dave's cameraman. You see, I, at, to this point, never thought of the idea of a guy who just follows a content creator around and, and edits videos and shoots and just just is just like that's that's the thing. Um, and so uh, Dave brought his cameraman Rob, uh, right? Rob. Yes. Yes. 
Uh, Dave brought his camera and Rob to the LVO, I, I think LVO 2018 or 2017. Uh, th- that that kind of opened my eyes to like, oh my God, there's there's so much more you could be doing. And there's also, you know, that also opened my eyes to like, oh yeah, Mini Wargaming has a ton of people behind the scenes that you never see, um, you know, working hard and, and, you know, helping produce that great content. And so Dave, what are some industry, what are some like, uh, you also have obviously experience in the movie industry as well. What are some kind of like behind the scene jobs that have kind of propped up from a direct result of, of running Mini Wargaming um, and to an extent uh, doing what you do? Yeah, this is a good question. Well, I can actually start by just uh, explaining kind of the different jobs that exist at Mini Wargaming. Nice. Um, so first off, just, just so you know, I don't always have a cameraman filming me. In fact, I never do. Uh, that, was, that was a rare instance at LVO <laughs> where he was there helping me. Um, but in Scar, you can attest to this because you have filmed with me. I film myself, right? Like, uh, yeah. Yeah. So I, I am my own cameraman. Uh, and it's, it's rare. It's like a special occasion. But that's not to say that it doesn't exist because it certainly does exist. Like he was paid to be there with me at LVO and, and to film all that. Um, but you can be a video editor because we have right now we have a full-time video editor, Cullen. And Rob is the other video editor. He's uh, part-time now. We have a customer support person because there are a lot of support tickets that come in and messages that come in that are non-gaming related but still need to be taken care of. And so and anytime there's a question about a membership or payment or stuff like that, that's the gears. That's the gears of the business coming in, right? Without that stuff, without that structure, the business isn't isn't it just doesn't exist you need that support staff and so we have a, a customer support person uh aaron and she does a great job at taking care of all of that she's the glue and she does the shipping ships out all the stuff aaron as a one half of frontline gaming's customer service team i'd like to give you a personal congratulations and thank you and shout out because that is um a tough job customer services is customer service yeah great do a great job of it pablo well, thank you. Uh, but anyways, shout out to Aaron for doing mini wargaming customer service. But go on. And I'm sorry. 90, 99% of the time, you don't see her. Like she's uh, the odd time she posts on Facebook because she feels like it. And it's it's wargaming related, right? Because she is also a wargamer. She collects minis and plays games. Um, but she's behind the scenes, mostly. Um, we do have content producers on staff who that is their job is just to be personalities in videos, um, but and, and Reese and uh, Scar, you guys know that there is a very specific. Like you don't go to university to learn how to be a war. Like you just are a war gamer, right? Like you play the games; it's in your blood. And the people that you hire to be your content producers are war gamers first and foremost. Yeah, so, uh, like. Each one of our content producers, before we hired them, they were in 50 battle reports each. Like, we're like, we knew them. The audience already knew them. They already had a, a mini following on the channel. Like, oh, they're, they're a regular on the channel and they know them and they are familiar with the process. And so when we come time to hire somebody, it's like, yeah, they're the perfect choice because everything fits. We've already vetted them. Uh, and so those are those are the more in the spotlight type of jobs, obviously. Uh, and that that's in the rare instance, cause I want to say that's, if that's rare, because 
that's part of an existing company, existing system that's already in place and has been working for a long time. Um, if you are a person starting out wanting to be a content producer, I wouldn't necessarily discourage it. Um, but all I could say is I can only imagine that it would be harder now to be noticed because there are more people doing it and the people that are getting noticed, they have to do things that are they're big. They have to do things that are uh, different and unique and things that almost disrupt what is already being done and has been done and is being done by many people. And something right there that I can think of is play on tabletop where when they started making bat reps and I was looking at their quality and seeing the stuff that looks like it could be on TV, like, man, what's going on there? Who are these guys? How come they're, how, how, right? So that, that's what I was thinking when I first saw it. And I've since talked to them. I've become friends with them. We actually did collaboration. So we're learning from each other back and forth. And so they know this already. I've, I've told them this already. Um, but that to me is actually great. It's a great thing because it forced us to be introspective and to look at our own process and to see what we could do to improve. Do we need to improve? How can we improve within the confines of what is reasonable and uh, uh, within our budget, right? Within our, within our resources. And so we did, we did improve because they came on the scene and their quality was unlike anything I had seen. Uh, and, and you know what, I have to say this, Scary, like, okay, people teaching people how to play 40 K and coaching people like that. The idea of that is just like, like for me, cause I, I'm a casual player, right? Like I, you, when I play against you, you not only like <laughs> play your army incredibly well, you're teaching me how to play my own army better. And like, Dave, here's some options. You should do those. Cause that'll be better. And I'm like, okay, thanks for telling me. <laughs> it's funny. It's like, it's so like, I, I'm just, I'm just a dude having fun. Right. Like, uh, and which we're all having fun, but that's your fun. Right. And, and I think like Reese, I think like the first time I heard about LVO and that there's this massive event and I went twice. And I think the second time I went, it was actually both times. It was the largest tournament on the planet for 40 K. And so I was just thinking, how, how, but how in a good way, like, oh my goodness, what another good idea. That was so nuts. And obviously, as you said, right, years of building up, years of tweaking and refining, which I didn't see. I just saw, boom, here's this massive event and lots of people, largest ever. So cool. Um, and I think that's actually what's happening right now. I would not be surprised if there are who knows how many people doing what they're doing consistently every day, little bit by little bit. And all of a sudden, we're just going to notice these things popping up and maturing into, wow, that is an incredibly good idea. Like the lore idea. If you're into the lore and you want to just like read because you have a good voice, there is a market for that. People will yeah. listen. Yeah. They will paint their minis and they will just listen to you read lore or read or listen to you make up your own stories about the lore. It's nuts.
People have large. That's one of the largest channels. Now, Luton, he's what he's. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think he's second to Games Workshop in terms of views and traffic, and that's the lore. That's just the lore of this hobby that we're all a part of, which is that blows my mind. Yeah, and I'm so glad I brought you onto this competitive 40k podcast because you know there's such a thing as healthy a healthy competition, uh, and what you're talking about with the, specifically with the play on tabletop and mini wargaming stuff is 100% accurate. You guys are you guys are working together to improve, but you're also still, you know, by definition competitors. You're both producing the same kind of content, well, not the same kind of content, but you guys are both both producing content and kind of like competing for people's times. Uh obviously, uh, obviously it's not like this negative thing. It's a very positive thing and there's definitely enough room in the 40k verse for both play on tabletop and mini wargaming, but um that that kind of competition does does uh encourage people to innovate and improve and then that innovation and improvement does bring jobs um, when you said that i actually uh, came to mind was those guys who created the space marine videos that gw just hired first off they were yeah, yeah a star excuse me a star days first off those are amazing amazing mm-hmm. videos for sure and I, i'm excited to see what they produce but gw picking them up it is astounding that, that, that that's yes. so important for what we want to do that's essentially the next step up or one step right before Netflix and streaming and uh, the, the kind of content that we've we've been dreaming of or wanting to see, uh, and that's just more jobs. They're going to need you know animators, which is insane to think about is, as an actual GW hired 40k animator, and that is your full time job is animating 40k content, Warhammer content. That's mind blowing, right? Uh, that's just one example, uh, and so as if you're uh, someone with a skill, right? If you're like photography or mm-hmm. uh, video editing or whatever, just keep an eye out for those little things because they're going to start popping up. Uh, and, you know, you might want to uh, r- ride that train wherever that is. Um, so just, you know, be aware, network, talk to people in the industry and uh, figure that out because eventually a job will start popping up, especially as more and more, as 40K gets more and more popular. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and, you know, I have to say this too, uh, Pablo, uh, thanks for reaching out to me to be on this podcast because that right there is an example of cross-pollinating the different aspects of this niche. And years ago, Reese, when you and Frankie reached out to me and you invited me to LBO, like, had you not done that? There's so many people I met at LBO and there's so many collaborations that were spawned because of that. Who knows what? What didn't happen because of that? There were so many things. There's so many companies now that I work with and we do collaborations and giveaways and we help to grow each other. Like it's, it's nuts. So networking absolutely is so, it, it's actually paramount for us, especially because we're a small industry. Yeah, that's, that is true in any industry, right? Like going to networking events is one of the best ways to meet people that can help you, that you can help them. And um, like you said, you can form strategic partnerships and it's just a, it's a simple one. It's also just fun, right? It's fun to go mm-hmm. to these events. So that, I, I totally agree. Like if you're just trying to like figure out where, where do I fit into this whole picture? I really want to be in it. Um, just go and talk and put yourself out there and talk to people. And like to Pablo's point, these star days videos are like ludicrous quality. This person's obviously very talented. But he put him he put himself out there with this amazing content and now look he's he's making official like canon material like as a 
for someone doing what they're doing to go from a found film to the big leagues, like, yeah, like I can't imagine a, 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 a better feeling than that, that must be, you know? Mm-hmm. So just, just getting out there and meeting people and, and getting out of your comfort zone and, and talking to people. That's like the first step for sure. Yeah. One I, of the, one of the nicest things about being a part of this community as like as niche as it is, is that sort of sense of camaraderie. Like it's, it's incredible how, how like, tightly knitted is even though it's so like unique in that way it's really cool yeah i was i always find it really funny when people get um uh, you know a little, a little sensitive online and it start drawing lines and you know picking tribes um because i see a lot of people argue online about like like oh this person is better than this person or, or oh competitive 40k is better than hobbying 40k but you know like like on the surface level or on the surface level that's what you see but when you start deep diving into it, like every single person who's a content creator who who's a part of the industry, it's always been so nice. Like I I don't think I've ever reached out to anyone and they've been like, oh, you're you're PD Pop, like ah. So then then I think we all kind of understand that there there's a camaraderie and a networking. You know, we're we're all in the same boat together, uh, regardless of everything that happens. Now. Dave also mentioned another great point that was coaching services. We actually have a, a official live 40k coach right here on the podcast, and that's Scary. Uh, and Scary, what you do represents an entire new industry that honestly is is really exciting for me. And that's uh, you know coaching uh, because I've always felt like 40k coaching fulfills uh, a need in our our community that's needed by everyone, not just competitive players and not just casual players. So want to talk a little bit about that because I know you've, you've been on tons of podcasts, but you're obviously you're part of the art of war uh, with coaching services there. Um, and you know, you do your own thing. You were a teacher of sorts. You have hobby times. You constantly teach your streamers uh, or not your streamers, your, your listeners and your patrons um, new things about hobbying and com- competition uh, and, and life and being a good sportsman. Um, so why don't you talk about that in that world? Because that is a new world to me too. Absolutely. Well, you know, one of the, like, going, getting into coaching was definitely something that was, like, very, that was definitely something that hasn't, wasn't really being doing when I started. You know, I went to the WTC in 2018, and that was, like, my big, my first big year into, like, the, the world of competitive 40k, and, like I, I believe, like Nick Nick Navadi just started the Brown Magic, right? And that was like his the first sort of foray into sort of like competitive gaming, into competitive coaching, and that really inspired me to sort of put that as a like an option on like when I was doing my Patreon and stuff, or get involved in sort of like the coaching. And you know, started with like a couple of clients here and there, and and over the last two years, that the industry of like coaching and teaching and being like an integral part of like people's development has been not only very rewarding but also very educational for me as well like from developing a system to like coach someone from varying degrees of sort of like um um like skill all the way to like teaching people not just how to play the game but how to train their mentality how to you know train their bodies to go to like big events like it's a lot more than just learn how to play and move and it's 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 like it's like literally having like a like a personal trainer right and and it's been awesome being in that industry and 
helping develop the industry from the ground up and, and sort of creating things that that everybody's using, like for like in, in all of the different coaching services that there are, which is really awesome to see how it's maturing and how people are benefiting from it. Yeah, absolutely. And and it is really more about that, right? The the thing I've always loved about competition is not proving who is the best. Um, it's always been about the wholesomeness of the camaraderie and the improving yourself. Uh, and that's something that like Stephen Box of Vanguard Tactics also touches on as well as you. And that the idea of like making yourself healthier, um, whether that's mentally or physically, to improve yourself and improve your performance and whatever you want to do. Because uh, you know, that let's be honest, uh, we all need a little help sometimes with taking care of ourselves. Uh, you know, we all have slip ups. We all uh, are always striving to be the best possible we we can be. Uh, and that's something that coaching very much falls into. And it's not something that people talked about uh, very much, especially coming into Warhammer 40k. Uh, when I started, when I kind of jumped into Warhammer and, and I wanted to improve, my coaches were literally like Jay from Mini Wargaming or like a reset frontline gaming. Like it was just whatever content I could grab my hands on and, and learn. But I was never given the opportunity to, you know, pay someone for their time to help me and guide me. And uh, that's something that you, you know, Scary and uh, other people can offer now. That is a service that we have um, that we didn't have before, which is really cool. All right. Are there any other jobs or industries um, that we have not quite touched on? I think we got most of them um, other than the, like the really, really obvious ones. Is there any ones that, are, that we're maybe missing uh, final shout outs before we move on to the final topic? I mean, there is right. miniature painting. I don't know if we painting. mentioned that. Uh, yes, they're like professional painting services. Yeah, another um, another one that a lot of people don't think about is that uh, all these businesses need the same support staff, like Dave mentioned, that every other business needs. So if you have a passion to get into gaming, and perhaps you're an accountant, or you went took some film classes, or you have any like specialized skill that is useful for a business that's in content production or retail, e-tail, marketing, there's a, there's a space for you. Um, Cause all of us need those skills and a lot of us don't have them. So even if you're not, you know, the most charismatic person in front of the camera, you don't have uh, Steve Joel's amazing Kiwi voice or, or whatever the case may be. If you have a skill or you're willing to learn a skill, that's a valuable one to a business. There is a place for you, especially if you're also, a passionate war gamer. Yeah, I was yeah. gonna. I was gonna say you, you don't necessarily need need skills. You just need to to be there. Like I'm. I was completely unskilled when I joined. I was actually unskilled, but um, I, I definitely didn't have any marketable skills to reason, frankly, other than just being a warm body who who was willing to be there. You know, nine to five. But um, I did everything I've learned. I I would say that I've learned more working from frontline gaming working with frontline gaming than I have in college or uh, any of my previous jobs ever, right? I, I've learned marketable skills that I can move forward. And if I, you know, if something ever happens and I have to take up another job, I've learned those skills. Uh, and that is something that you can also do. It's at mini or gaming would offer the same exact thing. Uh, I imagine just by being a business uh, and being able to teach the things <clears throat> practically that you wouldn't be able to learn while you're working or while you're in school or while you're working like a Burger King or another, you know, part-time entry-level position job. So I got a couple there, Pablo. Go, go uh, ahead, 
Uh, so Cullen, he's our video editor, right? He actually started as a high school co-op student and for school credit, he came to mini wargaming and he was editing videos. And then summertime comes and we hire him part-time because he was good. Uh, and then he went to university and he came back for the summer and we hired him in the summer times because he was good. And then when it came time that we needed a full-time video editor, he was there. So as you said, as you have experienced, be there, be that person. And when the opportunity comes up, uh, it'll, it'll just be there for you because you kind of created the opportunity for yourself. Right. And something else I have to note, which is not related to that, but very important for everybody. And that's something that can benefit everyone, no matter who you are in this industry is, uh, literacy and punctuation. And it, you'll, you'll understand what this means because like we're making posts, right? All the time. We're writing stuff all the time, like video descriptions, uh, tweets, whatever it is. If, if you can't do that, it's going to be hard. And if you're not good at it, get better at it. And if you're good at it, capitalize on that because that is a skill. That is a marketable skill being engaging and just reading stuff and people being, uh, people like being relatable through your posts. Hundred oh, yeah. percent. Um, and anybody out there like content uh, management, media management, social media manager, those are like super valuable jobs in this industry. QuickBook, the elements of style is like 90 pages and it gives you the best, like how to be a competent writer. And I've read uh, 20 books on writing. Um, that is the number one I would recommend to people to, to write effectively and competently. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, absolutely. And then, then uh, a final thing, an industry we, none of us talked about, which is which is really funny. Um, if you if you're a manufacturer, uh, we you know we see uh, like um, Hammerhead Games over in California. Uh, we see a ton of different fan- manufacturers come in and enter the industry, and that's constantly growing. And there's constantly a need for that too. The latest innovation that I've seen that's really cool is the objective markers that you're starting to see on uh, battle reports and streams everywhere. The uh, it's basically just a, uh, an objective, an objective marker. That's not a little small one, but it's, it's like a big, the full three inch in diameter circle of what the objective is. So that if you're touching it, you know, you're on an objective, uh, things like that too. So if, if you're in like manufacturing, uh, and you think you could have something that's marketable or a product that the 40 K might need, that's definitely a space you can get into. Um, and then with that comes all sorts of other jobs too. So if you and your buddy, um, you, you have like a buddy who, who's on the manufacturing side and then you have another buddy who maybe went to business school and knows a little bit more about marketing and business plans and all that. That's definitely something you could do too. So there's a ton of jobs. Uh, all right. Let's go ahead and move on to the final topic very, very briefly. Um, actually, we've kind of already covered this a little already, um, which is basically what, what are some of the pitfalls and limitations of um, our specific careers? How about instead of turning it into a topic, is is there anything you guys want to say about, you know, like a misconception about what you do? Like maybe if someone came up to you and asked, oh, hey, what you do is actually kind of easy. Like what's stopping everyone from doing it? Or what are some of the things you have to be aware of if I wanted to be, if I wanted to do what you do? Um, So just 
roundtable, um, if you have anything to say about it, you want to say about that topic specifically, but how would you caution people towards doing what you want to do specifically? Well, the, the first one and the most hilarious one, I can't tell you how many people literally thought that Frankie and I played games all day. Like, <laughs> I can't, like, it, the, the, the misconception is so common and it's hilarious. I'm like, I play dramatically less games now than I did before gaming became my profession. Like, anytime you turn a passion or a hobby into a profession, you have to be prepared for your enthusiasm for it to wane and your interaction with it to change. And that is to me has been the hardest part of of managing this. Like there's been times when I have not wanted to play the game mm-hmm. at all, but you yeah. have to, cause it's your job. Yeah. And, and not only do you have to do it, you have to do it with enthusiasm. And that is, that is definitely, definitely been the hardest part. Um, and then the other, the other part that's been really challenging for it is the misconception about finances. Like people, people think just because you're like an entrepreneur that you're making lots of money. Um, and like, especially us in the events business, not anymore because we've been really transparent, but people like multiply the ticket price times the number of people and they're like, Oh, you're rich. And you're like, you forgot the other part, which is all the expenses. (laughs) And. So it's, it's a combination of like Scarry said, like, and this is true of any, if you go and look at the data, the average entrepreneur is making less than minimum wage, right? So you're working more hours. Uh, it's something that you love that could quick, quickly turn into something that you hate. Um, hopefully that doesn't happen, but you could find yourself not having the same enthusiasm or looking at it in a different way. And you're not going to be making as much money as you would with just like a normal job, usually. Like over a long period of time, you'll probably get there or even surpass it. But you have to be willing to come in, understanding all those things and still being committed to it. And it will pay off. But the, financially, it will if, you, if you're smart and you work hard and you're lucky. But you have to be doing it for the, the joy that it brings you. And you have to find a way to, to retain that love. And, and it, might, it might take a different form than it did when you started. But you have to like... Keep that you have to be mindful of that because it, it can turn sour. The, the illusion of what it looks like from the outside looking in can vanish very, very quickly. Well, really, really well said. Um, Dave, do you have anything to add to that? Yeah, or sorry, Reese, you literally took the words out of my mouth. Like, that's actually what I was going to say is like, don't always feel like playing, and that's that's what I do. I'm a content producer, right? So, uh, and I think you're right. At, Find the thing that you're passionate about that you can do for an extended period of time, even in those times when it's hard to do, not because you don't love doing it, but because we're human and doing anything a lot is mentally taxing. Yeah, the the thing that I was that I would say is like make sure that you're just consistent with what you want to do. You know, whether it's, and, and this is something that I'll, I'll talk to like uh, up and coming content creators who are like, hey, how do I start a YouTube channel? It's like, just, do, it doesn't have to be huge and massive. It doesn't have to be perfect, but you need to get started, you know, and just putting, like, put it out, be consistent with it, whether it's once a month, once a week. And the thing is, you have to get into a habit because as, as you know, both of you are saying, it gets to that point where sometimes you wake up in the morning and you're like, 
Ugh, I have to film another battle report today. And it's funny to to kind of say that because most of you listening are probably like get to play, you know, once a week or once a month or, you know, especially with COVID, like who knows. But, you know, when you're a content creator, yes, you it's like it becomes your job at some point. And, and it's also about learning how to separate like, you know, church and state, right? Like my business gaming or the gaming that I do for content, you know, I have other games that I play for passion or for fun, even 40K games that aren't filmed or and I don't tell people about them. And those are just for me because I still want to be able to enjoy like the little things, not just create content that I also enjoy doing, but like having that divide and that separation really helps me at times when it comes to really understanding this is business fun time and this is like personal fun time. Yeah, that's that's a, such a good point because there got for us when like we were streaming every day at certain points or so, like making two or three battle reports a week and it gets to a point where like you don't feel like there's a point to play a game if you're not producing content. You know what I mean? So like all of a sudden it like the just just the, the simple joy of playing a game with your buddy, it almost you almost feel bad about doing it. You're like, oh, we should be filming this. And it's like that you, you like you made a really good point that you need to carve out a little space for yourself to like stay in touch with the joy of it, the thing that brought you to it in the first place. Um, it, it just it's really easy to lose that spark if you don't do that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, all right. Uh, so that is it. That is the end of the episode. Uh, we're going to go ahead and move over to the patrons. Uh, if you're unfamiliar, if you're new to the show, uh, every week we open the floor to the patrons where they get to ask us questions that we answer live on the episode. Uh, and so if you'd like to do that, if you'd like to support the podcast, head over to patreon.com slash chapter tactics. Uh, that gets you access to our Facebook group, our Discord community, and it lets us, lets you ask us questions that we answer. Um, and sometimes they're funny and sometimes they are really serious and helpful. But our first patron comes from patron Kelsey. Uh, he wants to know, have you ever answered someone asking, how's it going with living the dream? <laughs> like the sarcastic, like, ah, you're living the dream. Have you ever answered that? I'm, I'm sure we all have. <laughs> That's how I answer. Say, how are you doing? Doing great. I'm living the dream. Every single time. That's like a, just like a, 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 something that you just chime off every day. Yeah. It's just, just kind of do it. Or they say, hey, good luck or whatever. I'm like, good. I'll take everything I can get. <laughs> uh, I, I will say that that um, that obviously uh, you know our jobs aren't as glamorous as um, they look at the surface level. But I do sometimes stop and just kind of take a deep breath and be like, "Wow, like this is actually a pretty cool job. Like I'm I'm very happy." There's definitely other things I could be doing, uh, but uh, you know I'm very happy with where I'm at. You have to you have, you have to be like practicing thankfulness is good just in general, and. Like after, especially after the segue from the burnout conversation that we had, you do have to take the time to like step back and just like remind yourself of like all the good things that you have in your life, no matter what you're doing. And just, just give thanks for the opportunity to make a living doing something that you enjoy. And it really is a blessing in your life. Um, it's really, really important to keep that in the forefront of your mind. All right. Uh, oh, good. Sorry. Well, I was good. yeah, I was gonna say like it's it's important to give back to like be grateful and yeah contribute back to the community as much as much as you can. 
Yeah, um, absolutely. Okay, uh, next patron, or next question comes from patron Shannon. Uh, do you miss your old careers? No. 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 no, no. <laughs> like, like Scarry was saying, like how he felt like he was losing his soul. I, I worked in finance before this, which, like, imagine like the Wolf of Wall Street, or you know, like, like that. Literally, I mean, that's obviously an exaggeration, but like, I worked in an environment like that, and you want to talk about feeling like you're losing your soul, man. <laughs> like. I would I would not go back for anything. <laughs> All right, next patron comes a question. Tim, uh, do you have other hobbies because you feel burned out? I love out how definite on... the answers to that question was. Sorry, oh, yeah. I didn't mean to interrupt. <laughs> no, I just was... love how like how <laughs> like us. just called be like no. <laughs> <laughs> um, patron Tim wants to know: Do you have other hobbies because you feel burned out on Warhammer? Other hobbies? Yeah, so, like yes, absolutely. I don't know about you guys, but when I get home, the last thing I want to do is is Warhammer, right? Like when you do it all day, I get yeah. home and I'm like, I want to read a comic book or read a book or like, yeah, go for a run, like, yeah. just like literally, literally anything. Like when I when I hobby now, I paint D and D minis just because I'm like, I only have to paint one. I could paint it however I want. I don't have to finish it. You know, it's just like, oh, this is, I forgot. This is fun when you just do it as a, as a way to relieve stress. Um, I will say I'm probably a freak of nature because I could probably play Warhammer like all day, every day. However, I will say that it's, I don't have other hobbies because of burnout. I have other hobbies to supplement my crazy which is part of the whole process. However, I feel one of the reasons that I don't get burned out from Warhammer too often, it has happened in the past, is because of the fact that I try and enjoy Warhammer as a hobby from like a lot of different facets. Like mm -hmm. I, I do narrative, I do competitive, I coach people. So I'm constantly talking about like different ways to play the game. And then I also do like computer gaming with Warhammer stuff. Or I, you know, <laughs> lose myself playing Minecraft a lot, oh, which, nice. you know, to be honest, is just like playing Lego, but you know, in a fun way. Yeah. For for me, I've always been a very competitive guy. I've always really liked, you know, playing games and improving and winning and and doing that stuff. So I I I kind of seek out things that I can't, you know, play. I basically things that I can do in a smaller time frame than a Warhammer game because a Warhammer game can take a long time. Um, and especially for someone like Dave, who who is not only playing a game of Warhammer, but also you know producing and filming it, which uh, you know takes even longer than your standard Warhammer game. Um, so I try to seek out stuff that's similar to Warhammer or similar in competitiveness, um, but doesn't take as long. So like chess, League of Legends, Magic: The Gathering, board games, uh, things like that too. But I also I would I would play Warhammer 40k if it took 30 minutes to play a game of Warhammer 40k. And it, and I didn't require a forty-four by sixty table. I would play it all the time, like nonstop. Uh, do you guys find yourself playing games that you've played like a million times when you do game at home, just because you don't have to think about it? Yes. Like, yep. Yeah, uh, me too. Like, I'm actually like, I'll see a new game. I'm like, that game looks so dope, and I'm like, but then I'm gonna have to learn all, uh, like how to play it. I'm like, yeah, yeah. I'm just gonna. I'm just gonna play this game. I put a thousand hours back in. Back to Candy Crush five, Saga. Five years. Yeah. <laughs> Hundred percent, hundred percent. That's how it feels. To what everyone is saying, I think it's also like we're basically we're talking about balance, right? Like mm -hmm. you, you come home and like for me anyway, I come home and there's a window of time when 
there's no wargaming, there's no work, there's no, it's family time. Like mm-hmm. for me, it's spent time with my kids, my wife, and uh, that's, that's that time. It's a sacred time for me. And that helps me maintain my balance with all stuff. Cause you could so easily fall into imbalance and like just burning the candle at both ends and trying to grow, trying to get more, more views and more interaction, uh, with, with, uh, posting. And, uh, so that's, I think that's very, very important. Yeah. All right. Uh, next question from patient chase. If you had to do it all over again, what would you do differently? That's a involved question. Um, so I think for us, if we had to do it again differently, um, God, we would do a lot of things <laughs> differently. If I was going to be honest, um, pro- I don't know, probably being more focused on doing less, but doing it better and then adding in other things. Cause we started very broad. We basically had like four or five uh, businesses, like revenue streams that each required, that each was basically a business unto itself. And trying to do all of them at the same time every day is like with a limited staff and limited money was really, really, really challenging. Um, it helped us to survive the lean times because you had different revenue streams you can leave in, lean into. But I, I'm not sure that that's the smartest way to get going. I think you could actually be more efficient by being focused and then adding on things as you go. Um, I think that would be the biggest change for us. I think from my end, it'll be... Uh, it, it, every time somebody asks this question for anything related to life, it's like, well, if, if you know, I would have changed many things, like, who's to say I would be where I am today? You know what I mean? Like, I am where I am because of the mistakes I made and because I learned. I think one of the biggest things would be make yourself a schedule earlier. I went through, a, a like, a long period of time where it was, like, just ad hoc and just kind of, like, doing it as as much as I could, as long as I could. And it wasn't until I really set up a timely schedule that I really saw myself get into the flow of things and not feel like a chicken with my head cut off. Yeah. Uh, that's an interesting question. I, I, and to your point, like, if I were to do things different, I wouldn't be where I am today doing what I'm doing. But I guess if I had time travel capabilities, I would go back in time and I would make the content that I make today. And then I would go back to the future <laughs> and see the changes that would happen. <laughs> That's what I think. Like, cause we, it's a process. It's like many years tweaking this formula essentially. Right. So if that formula were to be implemented when we first started, like who knows, who knows what would happen. Would you still do the food challenges? hundred percent. Oh yeah. <laughs> Eating cockroaches is our number one viewed video. Has nothing. <laughs> You know, that's, that's so funny funny. because our number one viewed video was one that I thought was so dumb. And the, uh, the guys did the milk challenge and I was like, this is the stupidest idea we've ever had. It was the number one viewed thing we had forever. And I was like, well, I guess I was wrong on that one. (laughs) (laughs) Not Uh, fair. (laughs) Uh, all right. Uh, moving on to the next patron question. Patron Nick wants to know which style is better to grow a YouTube channel focusing on 40k guides, uh, two simple videos each week, or one quality video every two weeks. So essentially, um, uh, w- which is better for focusing or for for growing a YouTube channel? Um, rapid fire, like like shorter videos that are more simpler side, or, or a high quality video 
um, that's a less that that's uh, comes out less often. There's no right formula. That's my opinion. Nope. Yeah, agreed. I was gonna uh, say the same thing. The rapid fire small ones, though they're easier to make, but you know it's it's whatever you you want to do. It's whatever you're more comfortable doing. Like if you have the capability of doing higher production value, and you're okay posting just a few videos a month, then then go for it. Right. And if you're if you'd rather not, then it's it's really just preference. Because I've seen success across the board in many different formats. So it's whatever you want. Pick and choose what you want. Yeah, totally. Because we we started with the little crappy videos, largely because we didn't know what we were doing. And I was the video editor back then. I, I had no formal training whatsoever. So that's why we started doing them, and they were easy to bang them out. And that that worked for us, right? And so like you can totally you can totally do that, especially if you've got people that are snappy and funny. Um, but if you have the skill set to make the the really nice ones, like look at play on tabletop. They, they in my I agree with Dave. I think they make the best videos in in 40k, and they're amazing. But you know if if that's your your joy and you 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 want to make like the best possible thing you can make that you you will definitely draw attention. That's that's just a bigger commitment. Mm. Yeah, and look at uh, someone like um, Ospex Tactics, right? Who does like little five minute videos, but like thirty times a day, or you know, something. Well, it feels like that because he's just always <laughs> putting something up like every single day. There's like ten or twenty videos. So it's like, so you can do both, right? And that's, that's, I think that's great. You just have to find something that you're willing to, to kind of put your, I want to say heart and soul into, basically. Yeah, I've always had, I've always had a very deep admiration for people who are content machines, you know, like the people who, who literally just always put out something and then still manage to find the time to put out, you know, a high quality or, you know, longer video or, or content. Um, in addition to the the small things they do, um, that, that's the, the grind is very very real for those people. Um, all right, penultimate question. Patron Brett wants to know: Are there any specific or more niche areas of the Warhammer 40k professions uh, that aren't as heavily populated? So, no, we talked about this already. However, is there anything that if you had to point people towards uh, that was not as heavily populated, there wasn't as much competition, you could give the give them the best chance of success of uh, entering into the industry? What would it be? Question. I think Question we would it. Um, I think that um, you, you really just got to do what you like. You know, like if you're looking for a strategic angle to get in and then it's like after doing some analysis, you determine it's doing something that you don't really like. And, but you're like, oh, but this is the smartest way to do it. It could work. But then that is work. So, I, again, I would say just go with what you what you what you really like, like. There's room for creativity, of course. Like I'm sure someone could figure out a way to be the most badass 40k TikToker or whatever, right? Like <laughs> there's definitely there's definitely room for that kind of a thing, or maybe you know, a 10 minute podcast. I don't know, whatever. But I, I wouldn't I wouldn't approach it from that angle personally, just because like the burnout thing we were talking about, you're likely to hit it quicker and not overcome it if it's like you're just doing it because you think it's the right angle to play. Um, that, that, that's my take on it anyway. Yeah, I agree. I think, uh, I think that was well said. Yeah. yeah. Um, one thing that I think that uh, we don't think about that isn't, uh, obviously people always focus on the glamorous positions, like the content creators, the business owners, uh, you know, 40K coaches, professional 40K players or, or whatever. 
Um, but one thing that I would point to is that, you know, mini wargaming needs like someone to clean the toilets in their facilities. Like frontline gaming needs packaging, packing people. Your favorite content creator needs a grunt video editor to, or, or like someone to t tweet, uh, tweet every like five minutes, right? They, there's jobs that people don't want to do that need to be done. Focus on those jobs. Uh, and that, that's a great way to get your foot into the door in any like industry that you want. Um, so I would say that that, and, and those aren't very niche, um, but they're not, they're not jobs. They're jobs that people don't want to do that people will absolutely appreciate you doing them. All right. Uh, last question. Patron Joe, save the best question for last. Patron Joe wants to know, we all know that 40k is a pretty grim, dark place. So other than Scary, because we all know he would want to be an Archon, hmm. if you could be any character <laughs> or unit in Warhammer 40k, who would you be and why? <laughs> uh, I'm going to start with this because I, I I have a prepared answer to this question while the, the rest of you think. Uh, I would like to be a citizen of McCrag. Not, not Ultramar. Not, I don't want to be the main planet, but I just in that system somewhere, I just want to have like, you know, 401k, you know, you know <laughs> completely paid for healthcare, uh, possibly, I don't know. I, I, McCrag is supposed to be like a utopia and Guillemin is supposed to have like sit across this like master plan of government and and um you know agency and all that so i would imagine mccrag is probably like the best place to live and so i just like to be like you know like a how about a podcaster on mccrag like you just talk about like <laughs> uh it, architecture ancient mccragian architecture and that is it that's that'd be great be a great job to live great place to live in 40k dudes man i yeah, I think I'm maybe Orc Warboss. Oh, Dave, you stole <laughs> Damn it! That was my answer! <laughs> because you live forever, man. You can't be killed. And, like, the power of belief. No matter what you believe, it's just going to happen. Like, that sounds like an amazing being in any universe. Yeah. More fun than an Orc boy, right? Like, yeah. it's, like I always, it's like I always tell people, like, Orcs are like teenage boys <laughs> when, there's, when there's no girls around, right? Like, so it's like... You're full of energy, you're destructive, but you're in a culture where instead of people going like, oh, teenage boy is so annoying, everyone's like, do it more. You know? so it's like, Let's build a hot rod and see if we can drive it to the moon. Everyone's like, yeah. Absolutely. It would oh. be fun. It would oh. be fun. Orc war boss. It would be, yeah. A war boss definitely is one of those like iconic, you know, whatever doesn't kill you just makes you bigger. You know, if you get beat up, you like, and you can literally just make anything work because you're like, this seems like it should work. And then it works. So, like, what's not to like? I, yeah. could, I felt like I picked yeah. a very boring answer, but I'm a boring ultramarine player. So, eh. but uh, anyways, great. That is it for the patron questions. If you have any, uh, what characters do you want to be? Let us know in the comments. Also, if you liked our stuff, if you have any other questions or comments about the episode, post those in the YouTube comments section down below. Like, share, subscribe. Go subscribe to the Frontline Gaming Network, all that good stuff. Also, if you're interested in hearing more from Dave, Dave, where can they find you on the internet? You can find us at miniwargaming.com or on YouTube. <laughs> All right, and, and then uh, Reese, if they want to hear more of your smoky voice, where can they find you? Frontlinegaming.org or .com and uh, Signals from the Frontline is the one of the longest running podcasts ever, and uh, it's been usually yours truly. 
Um, and then one other point to one other like kind of uh, thing I'd like to add to anybody that's out there that's listening um, that is curious about turning their, their passion into their profession. Uh, the same piece of advice I give to everybody that's uh, considering making the leap into taking a little bit of a risk is the number one trait that you need to succeed is discipline more than talent, more than a skill, anything. If you have the drive and you're willing to grind, you will eventually succeed. And the cool thing about that is that you have control over that. It's not something that anybody gives you or it's not some sort of like talent that you were born with. It's, it's just a mindset. So if you want to do it, go for it. What a nice plug. Instead of plugging yourself, you plugged a personality trait. I love it. And then finally, uh, Scary, where can they find more of you? You can find me in the depths of the webway, as always, in the tallest spire of camera. Um, you can just, you can just, where I am currently wearing your face is my face. Oh my gosh, it happened. Anyway, yeah, yeah, there you go. You had to bring it full circle. You're welcome, everyone. Um, you can head on over to patreon.com slash scardcast. Um, or find me on YouTube. I've been doing a really cool series called the Unit by Unit series for the new Drukari. And I've done this every time they've had a codex. Basically, talk about the lore of every single unit in the codex and then talk about their rules in like a little bit at the end. So if you like to know more about each unit in the Dark Eldar codex, Drukari codex, technically, that's the series I'm doing right now. Right on. All right, everyone. Thank you for listening. You are, of course, the best listeners in the world. Thank you for sticking around for 200 episodes. Here's to another 200. Have a good one.